0: Excuse me, that video bumper introduced a new teaching series that uh, we are beginning today. And uh, more on that in just a, a few moments. You probably have been around people that have been obsessed in trying to discover what others think of them or what they are saying about them. In fact, they will go to great lengths to learn what maybe family or friends or co workers or neighbors are saying when they are not present. They'll, they'll prod, they'll probe, they'll investigate to try to gather as much information as possible. Because there's just something about them that they, what are people saying? What are people thinking about me? Well, I want to ask you a, a reflective question, if I might, this morning. And the question is this, whose words or opinion matter the most to you? Kind of filter that through your mind. Right? Whose words or opinion matter the most to you? Now, I, I would imagine that some of you maybe said your spouse. Boy, that, you know, that'd be a good answer. All right? Others of you might say, well, my parents. Some of you might say, well, a, a teacher that I have. Or some of you might say, well, my, my closest friend. Well, the truth of the matter is that there really is one person's opinion we should be the most concerned about, is there not? And you know the answer to that. Of course, the answer to that is God. You see, what he thinks of us, his view of us, is really the opinion that should matter the most. And yet, let's be honest. How often, in fact, how many days can even go by when we give little thought or concern Over what God thinks of us. Of what his opinion might be of us. So if God were to share. In in a public setting. Maybe even here today. If God were to come. And he were to pick on people. I'll pick on Kevin Rose. And he were to pick on Kevin Rose. And he would say. Here's my one sentence commentary. On Kevin Rose. What do you think he'd say? Now, I know that Amy would like to chime in immediately and give us an idea of what he should say, But what would God say if he was going to give a one-sentence commentary about our life, about how we are living life? Maybe for some of us, he would say, well, he worked and he played hard. Others might say, well, God would say that, you know, I kept busy, or he was a jack of all trades. Or she made a lot of money. Or maybe God would even say he was a rascal. Or maybe she loved life. Well, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts. You Turn with me to the book of Acts and and find Acts chapter 13, if you would, this morning. Kind of a precursor before we go to the Old Testament and begin looking at some passages on David. Acts chapter 13. Because here in Acts chapter 13, we actually have God giving a commentary about somebody's life. If you might, a one-sentence commentary on somebody's life. Let me uh, pick up the reading at Acts chapter 13, verse 20, and read through verse 22. After this, I'm reading from the New International Version. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king and he gave them Saul the son of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David son of Jesse a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. David said, excuse me. God said of David, that he was a man after his own heart. The Almighty God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Creator of everything, the one who sustains us, even by his very thoughts, took time to say, hey, I'm going to share a very brief commentary about somebody's life, somebody very special. And what I'm going to say about him is that he is a man after my own heart. Could there ever be a greater tribute given by somebody? David was special in the eyes of God. and So this morning's message begins a new teaching series for us as we look at this unique person who actually is mentioned more in the New Testament as far as Old Testament characters than anyone else. If you were to spend time and look through the whole New Testament and try to see, okay, there's different... Old Testament personalities and people that are mentioned, David is mentioned the most in the New Testament. But not only that, more is written about him in the Old Testament than any other Old Testament character. I mean, you think of Abraham. You know, Abraham was a famous character. Fourteen chapters for Abraham. All right. Well, what about Joseph? I mean, I like Joseph. Joseph, fourteen chapters for Joseph. There is more written in the Bible about David than any other Old Testament, New Testament character save Jesus. Poet, musician, courageous warrior, national statesman, David distinguished himself as one of the greatest men of God. And I need to share with you, David has always been one of my favorite Bible characters. I don't know if you you know, kind of had a favorite Bible character. Well, David was mine. And it started when I was a young boy because I love the story of David slaying Goliath. And particularly, I like the story because, you know, he slayed him with a slingshot. Now, I had a slingshot, you know, and I had the slingshot, you know, you pulled back the, the, the big, almost like rubber bands, you know, and you put the stone in, you pull it back and you shoot it. Well, my grandma went to Israel. And, and she called me to her house. So my folks came to the house. And she knew that I liked David. And she said, I got, I got a slingshot like David used. Now, i got to clue you in. Do you know the kind of slingshot that David used? It wasn't like the pull back, put a stone in. It, it had two, you know, four pieces of string. And then a little cloth that was probably about that big. So understand what David had to do. He had to put the stone in that little cloth with those four strings, he would throw that around his head like this and release two of the strings just as he made that toss, hoping that that stone might go in the direction that he was trying to push his arm and hand. Of course, he had had a lot of practice. You know, so that even amazed me more when I thought about David and the kind of man that he was. Well, then I got a little older. I read a little more about David. I read about some of his shortcomings. But even in spite of that, he still was one of my favorite people in the Bible. Can I share with you why I enjoy studying about David? Why I like David? There's, just a, there's probably many reasons, but I want to share three with you this morning. The first one is this. He was a man who admitted his failures. He was a man who admitted his failures. Anybody here ever failed? Nobody. Eric, Eric is the only one here this morning that has ever failed. Now, if we were going to be honest, we would say, yeah, I failed. You know, I've had failures in my life. You know, I I have messed up. And, And though David exercised some poor judgment and he sinned, I still see a man whose heart was very soft and tender toward God. He was a man who mourned and wept over his sins. Secondly, I like David because he was a man who experienced God's grace. See, David's life illustrates how much God loves you and I. When David could have died for his sin of adultery and plotting the the murder of one of his own, God, in his grace, forgave him. He forgave him because David responded with a repentant heart. You know what? That's should be reassuring to you and I because when we fail God we know that we have a loving heavenly father who when we repent is gracious and forgiving but you want to know the main reason why I like David, why I wanted to do this study was as we've already noted he was a man after God's own heart and that's the title of our series as we work through David in fact he is the only one In all of scriptures, to be described as a man after God's own heart. There were others, of course, who were close to God. But David, special, special tribute. A man after God's own heart. So I trust that uh, you'll, you'll join us these Sundays as we do this exciting study on one of the greatest men that ever lived. See, David was like you and I. As we've already noted, he made mistakes. He exercised some worry. Do you ever worry in your life? Do you ever get concerned about life? Yeah, we do. I don't know. I've I've read through the Psalms a couple of times. When you read some of those Psalms of David, you understand that he struggled. He worried. He was concerned. But in spite of that, he had a close relationship with God. And that close relationship with God brought him through those struggles. So David, I hope you're kind of looking forward to this study. I know that I am. And uh, Pastor Ryan and Pastor Andy will take some turns sharing in this study as well. And I think all of us are kind of looking forward to this as uh, we have this opportunity to share with you about David. Well, I don't have to tell you that we live in a world that values the external. In fact, we could say the world very much values the external. How much money you have. How successful you are how good an athlete you are, whether you're good-looking, and so on. So, man looks at the outward. But what man looks at is not what God looks at. You see, God sees the heart. Even the great prophet Samuel, I think, got caught up in this trap. So, if you take your Bibles now and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Back in the Old Testament, First Samuel chapter sixteen. When we do this series, we'll be spending a lot of time in First Samuel and First Kings, First Chronicles. We'll look at some of the Psalms, but uh, today, if you would turn to First Samuel chapter sixteen, and I'd like to uh, read the first seven verses for you this morning. The Lord said to Samuel, "How long will you mourn for Saul?" But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Samuel had been grieving over Saul. And you have to understand why. Because if you if you might, Saul was kind of like a father, excuse me, Samuel was kind of like a father figure to Saul. Saul had been kind of his protege. I mean, this was the first king of Israel. This is the one that that Samuel had repeatedly gone to and tried to give counsel and tried to help him and tried to keep him on the straight and narrow, even though, as we know, Saul messed up. He he counseled him. He exhorted him at times. And so when it became clear that, that Saul had lost his kingdom and it would not continue in his family... Samuel was was grieved. He was saddened over it. And God said, "Hey, come on. We got some things to do. You know, forget that. Get going. You know, we, we need to continue, but in a new direction." And so Samuel went on his way to Bethlehem. Now, as we read here, the people there got a little excited, especially the leaders. They got a little excited that Samuel, the prophet, was coming. And here's why: because Most of the time, a prophet did not come to a little village. And at this time, Bethlehem was a little village. A prophet would not come to a village unless there was a specific reason. And oftentimes when a prophet came, it had to do with speaking the words of God. And in particular, when a prophet would come, he would actually speak judgment of God. So they're thinking, you know, Samuel, he hardly ever comes to Bethlehem. What is he coming here for? I mean, surely we're in for it. So, you know, there's a little bit of apprehension, and and the blood pressures arising, particularly in the leaders, as Samuel comes. And but Samuel reassures him that he's come to sacrifice. God had a special plan. And in that plan, Samuel was to go and see Jesse, who was well known in that area. His sons were. were were strong and, and good sons, and they were hard workers, and people very much respected that family. So Samuel went to Bethlehem to choose a new king. And so if you can imagine with me, you know, here's the sons lined up. Of course, minus David. David's away shepherding. Here's the sons lined up, and and the first son is right there, Eliab. And Eliab is, is head and shoulders above the other sons. He is the tallest. He is the best looking. You know, he just carries himself the best, you know, because oldest sons always do that. Any oldest sons here? Okay. And, and Samuel's, you, you know, he's thinking, okay, this is the one. I mean, after all, when Saul was chosen, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was good looking. I mean, you could just tell by looking at Saul that, you know, this is a king. And so, Samuel's using kind of the same criteria. I mean, this has got to be the king. This is the one the Lord has chosen. God says, no, that's not it. He's not the one. We didn't take time to read the whole story, but he went through the whole line of sons that were all paraded there, minus David. And then finally he said, you know, is there there anybody left? And there was the, the youngest. There was David. See, for God it was not about the outward. It was about the inward. For God, it was about the heart. Now, it's interesting to me that Samuel kind of forgot that. Because take a moment and turn back to 1 Samuel 13. Would you do that with me? Turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 13, just a couple pages back in your Bible. And look at uh, verses 13 and 14 with me. 1 Samuel 13, verses 13 and 14. Samuel is exhorting Saul, King Saul. He says to him, You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Even Samuel, the great prophet Samuel, fallen had fallen into that trap of, of looking at the outward, looking at the appearance. See, we understand from this that what is most important to God, what really counts for God, is what's on the inside. And because of this, because the heart is so important to God, because what's inside is really so important to him, God examines our hearts. He examines our hearts. I think we often avoid thinking about this because, man, life's a lot easier if we could avoid that, wouldn't it? When we, don't want, we don't want God examining our heart. We don't want the Holy Spirit saying to us, hey, there's some things that need to change. So like the Pharisees of old, we get wrapped up with the externals. And the thought of God examining what is going on in the inside of us, well, we try to push that off. We we don't want to be concerned about that, because after all, we might have to come to grips with some ugly things. But we also need to realize that not only does God examine our hearts, but He touches our hearts. He touches them. Earlier in 1 Samuel 10, 26, it speaks of the hearts of men that God had touched. You see, our hearts are touched by God when we say to Him, Go ahead, do with my heart whatever needs to be done. Have you ever said that to God? Go ahead, God. Do with my heart whatever needs to be done. And of course, God wants to change our hearts. This happens when we allow Him to deal with our sin. When we allow Him to cleanse us when we give him complete control of our life, to do whatever he wants to do, to have us serve him as he wants us to serve. So David is described as a man after God's own heart. So how do we develop such a heart? To me, that's a key question. How do we develop such a heart that's in tune with God? So I thought we kind of work through that through the remaining time this morning. Because first, I think we have to make sure that we have a believing heart. If we're going to have a heart like David, it has to be a believing heart. David, of course, believed in God. He believed in the Almighty. In fact, David so much believed in the existence of God that twice in the Psalms he wrote this, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. David believed in God. He believed in the Almighty. He prayed to Him. He communed with Him. He believed in Him so much that he said only a fool, only a fool would say that there is no God. Do you believe in God? Oh, I I know. Most, all of you would say, yeah, I believe in God. I mean, after all, I wouldn't be in church this morning if I didn't believe in God. But do you really believe in Him? Has that belief in Him Changed your life, impacted your life in any way? Do you believe in a son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and died for you so that you might be able to have an intimate relationship with God? Do you believe in a son? See, a believing heart is also a heart that believes and is committed to the Word of God. And because David believed in God, he was also committed to having God's word in his heart. So he wrote in Psalm 40, verse 8, Your law is within my heart. Law is just another word for God's word, the scriptures being in his heart. Psalm 19 even reflects more graphically David's attitude towards God's word. In fact, let's turn there. Everybody knows where the book of Psalms is, right? Psalm 19. And as I shared with you, as we do this series on David, we're going to be looking at some of the different psalms. and Psalm 19. And look at verses 9 through 11 of Psalm 19. This is a psalm that's shown by its inscription, that it's been authored by David. Verses 9 through 11. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees, another word for his word, the decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, In keeping them there is great reward. Well, David cared. Because of his believing heart, he thought the word of God was precious. More precious than even the, the finest food that you could eat. Now, there's some debate over whether David wrote Psalm 119, the the largest, the longest chapter in the Scriptures. Many commentators feel that David did write it. I kind of, I'm one of those that, not that I'm a commentator, okay, I'm one of those that feel that David did write Psalm 119. When you read it, you see some of David's, if you might, linguistics that he used in other Psalms coming out in that Psalm. His personality is revealed in that Psalm. And if you know anything about Psalm 119, it is a psalm that is dedicated to the Word of God. There are prayers and meditations regarding the importance and the value of Scripture. I just share all that with you that because of David's believing heart, that belief also extended to him having a heart that was committed to the Word of God. But a believing heart is also an obedient heart. David made this clear when he prayed to God, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. David wanted his life, everything about his life, his actions, his words, he wanted them to be pleasing to God. It was all about obedience. So how do we develop a heart that's in tune with God? First of all, by by making sure we have a believing heart. And all that that entails, but secondly, I think it's important that we have an open heart. That we have an open heart, because David believed that his God was all knowing and everywhere present. He didn't try to hide from God. We have uh, we have grandchildren now. We have kids. Uh, sometimes when they would do something wrong, they would try to hide. Your kids ever done that? Grandkids ever done that? You know, we, we have a way of even doing that with God. We, we don't want to read his word. We don't want to pray to him. We don't want to come into our pre, his presence. Because after all, we, we've done something wrong. and We try to hide from him. But David understood how futile that was. Because his God knew everything. His God was everywhere present. In fact, because of that, he was very open before God. And he called out in Psalm 26, Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. And David's openness before God, I think, produced an unbelievable transparency. I've known some people that have been pretty transparent. Most of us are kind of guarded when it comes to that. But David, especially before God, was very transparent. You only have to sit down and read Psalm 139 to see that. In that psalm, David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. David just laid it all out there. He said, God, I, I come totally open before you, transparent, examine my heart. There's anything, any wickedness, any anything going on that I need to be aware of, I ask that your Holy Spirit reveal that to me. as I read that, I thought, how often do I actually pray that? That oftentimes it's kind of like, God, I hope you don't see this in me. But because David had an open heart, not only was was he transparent, but I think also he had a humble heart. David proclaimed in Psalm 131, verse 1, My heart is not proud, O Lord, my eyes are not haughty. See, David knew his limitations and his view of himself was seen in the backdrop of his view of God's greatness. And when David looked, or excuse me, when God looked upon David's heart, I think he saw a man with a proper balance in the area of self-image. And this was reflected in many of David's psalms. So because David had an open heart, he was transparent. Because David had an open heart, he was humble, he wasn't proud, and because David had an open heart, we also note that he was repentant psalm 51 one of the greatest psalms of confession and repentance one of the some of the greatest words that you would ever read in the scriptures is found in psalm 51 david's prayer of confession and repentance when he when he asked and he cried out for god to forgive him and to restore him because indeed he had failed the god that he loved it reveals David's heart that he actually did demonstrate true remorse over his sin. And what an openness. On September twenty second, 1998, Daniel Crocker confessed to a murder that he had committed 19 years earlier. The murder had been obviously unsolved. In fact, there were little if any clues that they would ever be able to catch the murder and at the time of his confession, Daniel Crocker was 38 years old. He had found a woman that he had fallen in love with. He had married her. They had had two children. But something happened in their lives. They started going to church. A Bible-believing church. And in that church, they came to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And Daniel never told anyone about his, his secret, his sin. One evening after they had both received Jesus Christ, he sat his wife down and he shared with her of the sin, the murder they had committed earlier in his life. They had been reading through the scriptures. They had read Proverbs 28, 13. They had read Psalm 139. They even had read Psalm 51. And they realized the thing that he had to do was to confess his sin. He had been high on LSD when he had murdered the young lady, but both he and his wife came to that conclusion that the only right thing that they could do before God was to confess his sin and receive his punishment. So he said goodbye to his family. He arranged a meeting with the DA, and he confessed what he had done 19 years earlier. Many people were just amazed that he had done that. Why would you do that? Many people ask that question. Why? You'd gotten away with it. 19 years, there weren't any clues. They weren't ever going to be able to find out. Of course, you know, the answer that he gave was because of his relationship with Jesus Christ. He could no longer carry the burden of that sin. And because God had been working in his heart and opened up his heart, he confessed that sin. See, for us as Christians, we kind of understand because we know that we have a God who's in the business of moving and changing people's hearts. Well, how do we develop a heart that's in tune with God? Third, by making sure that we have a thankful heart. In Psalm 9 in the New American Standard Bible, it records these words from David. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart, I will tell of all thy wonders. You can't help but read some of those praise psalms of David to understand that David had a thankful heart. And most of all, his thankfulness was directed toward God. It wasn't just, you know, a heart of being thankful. I've run into people that, you know, their their personality, their nature is such to just give thanks. You know, they'll thank people all the time. But not only did David have a thankful heart, but his thankfulness was directed toward God. Because I think every day, David contemplated God's love in his provision. Folks, and I probably don't have to tell you this, but we live in a day and age of the entitlement mentality. Do we not? The entitlement mentality. And sadly, it almost seems like this type of thinking Has filtered down into Christianity. We almost feel like because we have trusted in Christ and we go to church and and we try to live as good a lives as we possibly can, that God owes us something. But the reality is, God doesn't owe us anything. It's only by his grace. And every day, we should pause and give thanks. Now, for some people, that comes naturally. Why? Because they have a thankful heart. I mean, they had this. They had this thankful heart like David had. And and they just start off their day thanking God and praising God for even the breath of life and and for their health and for the ability to be able to go to work. They just have that thankful. finally, how do we develop a heart that's in tune with God? By making sure we have a dependent heart. A dependent heart. See, again, it's almost kind of a badge of honor, you know, to be independent, to be a self-made person. We don't need anyone or anything. And sometimes what happens is we kind of feel like we don't need God. You know, I, I can live the Christian life. You know, I'm doing pretty good at it. It is clear by David's psalms that he knew how much he needed God to sustain him. He couldn't fulfill his responsibilities in his own strength. You might still be in the book of Psalms. Turn to Psalm 61. Psalm 61. Those first four verses of Psalm 61 is a prayer of David. But a a prayer that I think shows his dependence upon God. Psalm 61, David says, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Oh, David, he understood that every day there need to be that dependence upon God. So, like David of old. I think Christians must concern themselves with making a commitment to develop a heart that is in tune with God. So, using David's example, we're, we're going to do a little quiz here this morning. All right. So, I want you to grab your bulletins. If you don't have your bulletins already out, get your bulletin. And uh, on the back side, there's a place for like sermon notes, and at the bottom, at the bottom, you're you're going to see some words there. With little blanks beside them. That you are going to fill in numbers. Alright. Now. We're going to use David's example. To actually evaluate our own heart attitudes. So. We're going to use this. These words. As a checklist. Or a quiz. To rate our own personal. Health. Heart health. How healthy is your heart spiritually? So. We're going to use these numbers. One is going to equal never. Don't put anything down yet, okay? So if you put a one down by those, it'll be never. If you put a two, it's going to be sometimes. You see it on the screen there? Two is going to be sometimes. Three, much of the time. And four, just about all of the time. You got that? That's what we're using. One, two, three, four. One obviously is at the low end. Four is at the high end, okay? So now go down through and and just take a couple moments and rate yourself. First one, I have a believing heart. I have a believing heart. So rate yourself on how you think. Not don't let your spouse rate you. Don't let your kids rate you. Don't let anybody next to you. You rate yourself. All right? And you can hide it. Okay? Nobody else has to see this. You're not going to turn it into me. All right? Pastor Andy doesn't want to see him. Well, there's a couple he said he wanted to see. No, that's not true. So rate this. Go all the way down through the nine. I have a believing heart. One through four. Rate your heart. I have a heart committed to God's word. We talked about that under the believing heart. Is your heart really committed to God's word? One through four. I have an obedient heart. That's part of a believing heart. Is your heart really obedient? One through four. Rate it. I have an open heart. Really, how open are you? I have a humble heart, one through four. I have a transparent heart. Now, again, when I say transparent, I'm not necessarily looking for that you have a transparent heart with other people, but is your heart transparent with God? Because that's the key, is it not? One through four. I have a repentant heart. I have a thankful heart. I have a dependent heart. All right, so take a moment, rate all these. I know you didn't think you were coming to school. So one through four. Take a moment and put that in. Now, look at your sheet. Are there any areas that you need to improve your heart health in? Probably so. When I did this, there were a couple. All right? To be honest with you, there were a couple. I had a couple, you know, twos, one-one. I'm not going to tell you where. All right? So especially note those one and twos. Especially note those. And determine with prayer and God's help how to become a person after God's own heart. This is an exercise that will really only benefit you if you take some time after the service at another time and kind of pray through this. And ask God, okay God, you know, I think I'm kind of weak in these areas. But I want to get stronger. Help me. So as we leave this morning, here's our take home. God is still looking. God is still looking for a man or a woman after His own heart. I believe that. I believe God like wants more Davids even today, men and women after His own heart. Are you ready to give your heart over to God? See, I'm not talking about the salvation experience. I'm not talking about you know that moment when you realize that you were a sinner in need of a savior. And you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, into your life. I'm talking about taking it a step further. And giving your whole life, your whole heart to God in some very key areas. You probably heard that preached about before. You know that as Christians, we need to give our whole heart to God. Well, what does that mean? I've given you some, some just some really practical examples of what that means. To give your whole heart to God? Nine areas that you can actually look at and examine and say, okay, how am I doing with this? So let me encourage you. Take this. Take it home. Pray through it. Look at it. And see if there's some changes that need to be made. Father, we we are excited about this new series on David. We thank you for this morning's opening teaching time as we have been challenged To have a heart for you like David had a heart for you. Father, help us to to not be discouraged as we look at our own heart. I'm sure that as we looked at our heart and we examined some of these areas, we thought, wow, I'm not doing too well. So remind us that you are all about changing human hearts. You've given us your spirit. You've given us your word. You've given us even other Christians to help us in this process. And we understand that, that having our heart changed and having our heart really be at all about you begins with us coming humbly before you and submitting to you and asking you to control our hearts. So Father, we would just ask that the Holy Spirit might speak to us in the calmness of where we are seated this morning. We know that you want to move our hearts. We know that you want to change them. We know that that even as you did this for David, that you can do it for us. And we give thanks in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior.